You can turn anything into a TikTok career. Hello, and welcome back to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. I'm so excited because today we're talking about all things content creation. I'm speaking with Gina Galliotto, a full-time content creator and mentor passionate about helping online entrepreneurs escape the nine-to-five life via social media marketing. Hey, Gina, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this. I know. Content creation. Love it, especially on TikTok. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I can talk on and on about it. So thank you for giving me the space to do that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I'm so glad to have you on. So before we dive in, can you give us a little background of what you've been up to over the past year or so? Yeah. So, oh, this year has been huge for me. I've seen a lot of TikTok growth, but I did do a lot of behind the scenes, like marketing studying and things like that before it. So it was really nice to see the TikTok community like emerge and give me a space to really apply all of that knowledge. But yeah, so this year I just started bringing everything I knew about social media marketing to the TikTok space and saw a really good positive reaction because as we know, this creator economy is exploding right now. So Mm -hmm. people were like, I'm interested. It's the pandemic. Like I need something else to do. That was around the time whenever I was kind of getting started. And then, yeah, I've just been able to support people who are looking to do the same thing I did along the way, which is share something they're passionate about on TikTok and grow a community who's also passionate about it. It's kind of that simple for me. I just want to give people that um, and that escape kind of from a nine to five. So that's what I've been doing this year is helping people do that. Yeah, love that. And you said you had some marketing background. Was that what you were doing as your full time job? So it's kind of a big full circle thing. But I was actually studying social media marketing as a hobby because I've always known I didn't want to do a nine to five. And Mm. around the time that I started studying it, I mean, this was way back like 2018. (laughs) whenever like Instagram influencers, whenever it was more travel oriented, it was the travel influencer who was like the person. Mm -hmm. And that's when I actually started studying it. That's what I wanted to do. I thought that was my escape from a nine to five. And I realized while studying it, I was just obsessed with social media in general. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I ended up like starting a business and use social media to market it and just realize that everyone like my skill set was in marketing a business via social media, mm-hmm. regardless of that business, really. So that's just where my passion lied. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I know you quit your job too. So how did you know that it was time to quit your nine to five? Well, I wouldn't recommend it for everybody. <laughs> but I kind of had to give myself the fear. I don't know if you've seen mm. that episode of Friends where Chandler's like, telling Rachel, you have to give yourself the fear to and quit your job. Otherwise, it'll be your backup plan forever. You know, yeah, that's I mean, that's such I a good felt. point. Yeah. yeah. And I, I knew myself, everyone's different. And I knew I, I would kind of fall into that backup plan if I had it. So once I had just a few months of matching my income from my sales job, I decided I'm gonna go for it. And just yeah. hopefully and I'm lucky enough to have support. I have my husband where I knew he had my back if like, things went wrong. Mm hmm. But I decided it's time to put all of my efforts into this. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm going to hit a wall eventually if I have to spend all of this time at my nine to five. You really yeah. got to treat it like a business. So once the time 
really started getting in the way of making more money on the Mm -hmm. content creation side is when that's when I recommend for most people to kind of say, okay, it's time to focus on my business now. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And of course, maybe make sure you have some backup plans lined up just to be on the safe side. But I feel like it does kind of encourage you to go all Mm -hmm. in and you don't have your nine to five as an excuse to fall back on. Right. And that's why I said it's not always realistic at any point in your life. But if Mm -hmm. you find yourself in a position where you have maybe savings or you have some kind of alternative and you know that your business needs the time, then I say just go for it. You can always go back to a nine to five. People consider it like failing at content creation, but it's really not. You can always go back to that nine to five, but you can't Mm -hmm. always take advantage of this huge boom in the creator economy. So yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah. So you're being super humble right now, but (laughs) you recently crossed 100K followers on TikTok. Congratulations. Oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) That's so exciting. It's incredible. It's been really cool to see. I can't remember when I started following you, but I think probably around like 50K maybe. So I've seen a lot of that growth. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate it. It was something I put on my vision board a long time ago thinking like, yeah, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then I was like, wow, okay, I really did this. Is this is actually so. working. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Killing it. Yeah. Love Thank it. Thank you. So if you had to choose, what are three unique skills that helped you become so successful on social? Oh, that's really hard. I feel like it's a lot of mindset, actually. I think that's kind of the unexpected answer. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I could say like, I don't know. I mean, I have a background. My schooling was psychology. So that I feel like that does help me a little bit. My career background was sales. I feel like that helps me a little bit. But ultimately, it was all about mindset, like the perseverance to keep posting whenever things were crappy and engagement was low and things weren't going the way I needed it to go. Overcoming imposter syndrome to even like put myself out there because as much as you can know about a topic, it doesn't matter if you're like, not confident enough to get it out there. And that was my one of my huge issues. Mm -hmm. And then just like passion behind what you're doing. I think a lot of people can like feel that I'm creating with purpose. And so I think that's important to go into content creation with a mission. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I feel like those are kind of unexpected answers. And I didn't, I didn't have all of those things before I got started. I learned them after I got started. I learned Mm -hmm. them along the way. So I don't think you need any one skill set before getting started. I just think you have to be willing to learn them along the way. Yeah, so that's for why sure. I think people from all backgrounds and all different like topics and niches can be successful in it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why it definitely comes back to your mindset. And if yes. you're willing to put yourself out there, <laughs> exactly. even when it, it's tough, because of course, we all know that it definitely gets tough sometimes. Exactly. I mean, there's niche like you can turn anything into a TikTok career if you're if you're willing to put it out there I've seen like there's a knitting a whole knitting side of TikTok and people are like monetizing it and you know it's crazy and they just they just decided to share their knitting you know you just gotta be willing to do it and brave enough so yeah Yeah. and that's the thing it's like they're doing something that they love and I feel like it's clear that you love what you do Mm -hmm. but also you are helping other people and you can tell that you're really passionate about that so it definitely comes through with your content thank you I appreciate that So what are some common misconceptions people have about content creation and content creators specifically? Well, I feel like I can speak from a lot of good experience on this because since Mm -hmm. I aspired so much 
to content creators before. I mean, all of that time I was studying for years, I was because of mindset issues, I wasn't applying any of it. Mm -hmm. And so as someone who is looking from the outside in like, at creators, I was thinking, okay, the more followers they have, definitely the more money they have. And that's (laughs) not true at all. Mm -hmm. I get messages from creators that are larger than me all the time asking like, why are you making more money than me? And it's because Mm -hmm. follower count isn't what it's about. And I know we hear that more often now, which is great. But that was that's a huge misconception. I think you really have to grind for the income. Mm -hmm. And then another thing is that like our inboxes are flooded with opportunities, which isn't true. (laughs) Again, like it's, (laughs) it's really not until you start creating like impactful content versus just content that gets reached that you start kind of seeing some opportunity. So that's a misconception too. Mm -hmm. And I think the last one that I'll say is like that you have to be like popular or interesting, like that content creators are like, Mm. have interesting lives, which is so not true. Like I stay home all day. I'm boring as can be (laughs) a total homebody. And so that's another huge one that holds people back too, is because they're like, well, like my life's not interesting enough. So that Mm -hmm. misconception can be dangerous as well. So I think those are the the biggest three that I hear. Yeah, that's true. Even as a content creator, So there are moments when I'm like, well, life is pretty boring right now. I'm not traveling. I'm not doing anything, especially when the pandemic started. It's like, well, I'm sitting at home all day. What kind of content am I going to create? I know, know, but you feel like you need to always be doing something. Totally. And what's so funny, and I get that mindset because I I fall into it all the time, too. But then I realize that people just want they really do just want to relate to you. Yeah. So like some people will be sitting on their couch and scroll across a video of you just sitting on your couch creating there and feel like, yeah. oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not the only one doing that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you've made this impact. So it's it's not yeah. about being interesting. It's just about, like we've said before, just like willing to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mundane moments yeah, are like my favorite. I love watching people's Instagram stories when they're just yeah. having their breakfast or posting random stuff. I love that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's just like you're following them throughout their day. (laughs) Yeah. It's so normal, but you're just like, ooh, give me more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. (laughs) So I know we just talked a little bit about the knitting niche being popular on (laughs) TikTok. (laughs) So I know there's so many niches you could possibly have. So Mm -hmm. first of all, why is it important to have a niche on social media? And then what are some examples of profitable niches? So God, I could talk so long about why it's important to have a niche. There's like a ton of different reasons, but I tend to go just for the psychology of it. And that Mm. is that people kind of need a reason to like want your input on everything. So for that reason, it, it really makes a lot more sense. There's something called the halo effect, which is just like this phenomenon in which we perceive people to be credible in all different types of areas after we've perceived them to be very credible in one specific topic. Before we've even like been like, okay, we give you a lot of credibility. If we haven't given that person our credibility, then why are we going to listen to them on their lifestyle content or anything else? So Mm -hmm. it's really about like proving that credibility first and then expanding out because people need a reason to listen. They want to view you as like a go-to and as a resource. But if you're not sharing about a consistent topic, they don't know what that resource is. They don't know when to lean on you for your content or when to go to your profile. And that makes it particularly hard to monetize. It's not impossible to grow without a niche by any means. It's definitely harder. It's not impossible. But I would say (laughs) monetizing unless you're a mega creator is pretty hard because what are you going to sell if you're talking about absolutely everything? Mm -hmm. And it's that similar concept 
who are you going to attract? You're not going to have a targeted audience to attract if you're not putting out that consistent type of content. Yeah, so that's yeah, why exactly. it makes it really hard to grow. Mm-hmm. And then did you ask, you said the most profitable? Yeah. What are some profitable? I know there's probably okay. no way to really target the most pop- profitable. Yeah. But yeah. I actually think right now I would say finance is like a really huge one because of like oh. crypto and <laughs> everything. <laughs> <laughs> I really think it's a huge one. Because people, all different reasons. I mean, right now people are wanting to take control of their finances because of just the state of the economy and Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic, people wanted to take more control of their career. But also crypto, like I was saying, is a big one that people will talk about. And then I also think there's a huge emergence of this, like all educational types, not all, but many educational Mm -hmm. types of niches being the most profitable because- Again, you're turning that credibility into something, into customers, basically, because they trust you. Yeah. But then there's the classics like travel and Mm -hmm. fashion. I think those are like the next two out of as far as profitability would be travel and fashion. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I always love looking at travel content. Mm-hmm. Dreaming oh, of yeah. my next destination. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> and usually the brands like in that area will have a bigger budget because travel is expensive. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason you see it being a little bit more of a profitable niche as well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Nice. So once you figure out what your niche is, what steps should someone take to optimize their TikTok or Instagram account in order to reach and attract that audience that they're creating content for? So I think the main thing people miss is implementing keywords. Like people don't really think about that as much unless you're on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And basically what that means, if anyone doesn't know, is think about whatever your target audience would be typing into the search engine on TikTok or Instagram to find your content. And that would be like a keyword. And if you implement those into your bio, your name field, and even your content, your videos itself... The algorithm is going to do an amazing job, especially TikTok, with matching you mm-hmm. up with the people who already view that type of content and are already interested in that type of content. So I think that's a huge miss optimize, as far as optimization and just making your content and your bio and everything very tailored to the viewer. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of like me and I verbiage. So for example, like, yeah. oh, like I'm just living my best life in LA as a Gemini or whatever it is. <laughs> And really, instead, you want to tell the viewer what they are going to get out of following your page. So they're making yeah. it less you-centric and, and really putting it on the viewer. I think those are the mm-hmm. top two ways to optimize your account. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I always try to think of that, especially from the bio all the way to like every content that you're putting out, whether that's stories, you know, thinking back to how this is going to impact the people that are viewing it. Exactly. super important. Exactly. Yeah. yeah letting them know it is for them, like framing it in that way, even just saying something like instead of three books that changed my life, just saying three Mm -hmm. books that will change your life, that just that little verbiage switch. Yeah, it just lets them know, oh, this is for me. Like this is about me and for me and people will way more likely stop their scroll for that. Yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense. So I know you talk a lot about creating strategic content. So what are some of your best tips for creating content that converts? Well, I guess it depends if you mean like followers or sales, because they're pretty different. Yeah, good point. But for I mean, for followers in general, I feel like that's the first step is followers. So for converting for followers, I think it is just having a really good understanding of who your target audience is. 
because you need to know what their day-to-day struggles are, their day-to-day desires so that you can show up as the solution or the entertainment or whatever it is that they're needing in their life. Mm -hmm. So having that really clear understanding and then using that to create the things that we more hear, we hear about more often on our for you page, like the hook. If you, you know, you can watch as many videos as you want that are educational about how to create a good hook. But if you don't know your target audience well enough, that hook isn't going to speak to them. So I think that's where the starting point is. And then use that to translate it into your hook, into the type of value that you're going to put in the middle and the meat of the video. And then use a call to action at the end of your video, just telling them, hey, like you can expect more information like this. And that's another reason that a niche is so important because if somebody loves a video they see of yours on the For You page, but then they head over to your profile and it was just a one-off video, mm-hmm. there's no yeah. reason for them to follow you at all. So for converting, having a niche is like half of the job, but mm-hmm. then the other half is when you're planning individual content pieces, just making sure you're speaking right to that target audience that you're hoping to attract. For sales... It's a little more complicated, but I think the pe- the thing that people kind of miss there is that they're not understanding the customer journey and the customer timeline, and they're kind of just assuming that everyone's in the same place. So mm. that's what I would say is most strategic for converting to sales is really kind of creating content for the person who's unaware that they even have a problem in the first place, all the way to the person who already knows about your product and is like, just needs a little push to buy. You've got to create content for them and all of the people in between in order to warm them up to, to get that sale. Yeah. I think it's important to mention the piece about educating them on the problem and making Mm -hmm. sure that they're aware that they have that issue that you can Mm -hmm. help solve because exactly. a lot of people just try to jump right into the cell. <laughs> so they're exactly. like, here's what I have to offer, buy it. And they wonder why people aren't buying it. It's because, well, they don't realize that it's for them. Exactly. They don't even know they need it yet or like how they yeah. can apply it or can't visualize themselves using it. Yeah. All of those things yeah. are important to address before you even like mention your product, basically. Yeah. It's totally right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So where do you find content ideas? My audience, because they're the best. (laughs) They're really good at giving me new ideas because they ask a lot of questions. I understand like not everyone's in the educational, in in any educational niche necessarily, like say you are a lifestyle. And in that case, if they're not asking you questions, then you should ask them questions in order to get Mm -hmm. content ideas. Like if someone comments, oh my gosh, I so relate to this, you know, just you can comment back and say, what about this do you relate to? Like, what about this Mm -hmm. is hardest for you? What do you struggle with the most or anything like that? That's going to give you more input on your next content idea or what that person is struggling with. Because like we just said, most of your content should be some kind of solution if you're looking for faster growth. So that's what I usually do. I implore my audience, but you can also, of course, do your research and see what kind of trending topics are going on within your niche see what like hot topics there are, but of course, put your own spin on it instead of regurgitating that same stuff that's already out there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, usually I would say my audience is my biggest inspiration for sure for my content ideas. Yeah. And I love the feature now. It's definitely on TikTok. I don't know if it's on Instagram yet. Pretty sure it is where they can ask questions and then you can respond to their question with a video. Yes. Because that is like the easiest way to get content. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. If you have no idea what to create, just go through your comments and answer a bunch of questions. Absolutely. And you can also create, usually you can create multiple content pieces out of one question too. You know, try it in a, diff- a few different formats, try it like with a different perspective or, you know, delivering it in just a different way. I always tell my clients to experiment, to like kind of find the content style that they're comfortable with and that works for them. So and always yeah. repurpose. <laughs> like whenever oh I love to expand. Yeah, we need to talk about repurposing. Yes. Can you explain like what that is first and how yes. you would go about doing that? Yes. So I mean, I'm so I'm only I'm on TikTok, Instagram and Pinterest. So repurposing would mean just spreading my content ideas throughout those platforms. And obviously, it makes your life a lot easier as a content creator, but you want to do it strategically. I mean, I see a lot of people just take the watermark off their TikToks and throw them straight onto Reels. And I will do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But you also want to think what performs well on Reels versus TikTok. Usually when we think Reels, we think people silent, just pointing to text on the screen versus TikTok. It's usually, at least for me, it's a lot of people talking straight to the camera and right at me. Mm -hmm. And when you put those types of content on the opposite platform, they don't necessarily perform as well. So if I have like a monologue where I'm talking straight to the camera on TikTok, instead of just posting that to Reels, I'll just make it a caption or turn it into a carousel, something that I know is more accepted over on Instagram and mm-hmm. that people expect more of. So you, it's not just about kind of slapping it on every platform. You do want to be strategic about it, but it will make your life so much easier and it will help you reach more people, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I try to do my best to do that. I'm at least really good at taking my TikToks and moving them to Reels. <laughs> yeah. Putting them on Pinterest, that's another story. But I know that one takes a while, but and <laughs> I'm, I'm getting more into the swing of it. Yeah. But yeah, I hear you there. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you plan your content so that you can stay consistent on all of these different platforms? I'm kind of an intuitive creator. So that means I create a little bit more on the go. But whenever I do want to script something out, which is usually for if I'm doing like a series that took a lot of research and I want to get certain quotes right and things like that, then I will script my content out before actually filming. But other than that, I like to do brain dumps. So that just means that anytime any idea pops into my head, whether I deem it worthy or not, I write (laughs) it into my notes app. And that way, whenever I do have the energy to create, I go ahead and I just pull one of those ideas from my notes app because some days I don't have the energy really. Yeah. And so that's kind of why I do it that way. Some people are very organized. They'd rather script out 10 videos and film them all in the same day. And that's totally Mm -hmm. fine. That works for a lot of people too. But yeah, yeah, I, I tend to just kind of post intuitively unless it's like a launch or a sponsored post or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that you said that because I feel like there's a lot of information out there about batching content, which Mm -hmm. is also helpful, but it it can be a little overwhelming when you think about, oh, I need to sit down and write out scripts for 20 videos today. (laughs) Exactly. It's a lot lot of pressure. Exactly. So that's it's kind of about just knowing which type of person you are and making sure you lean into whichever strategy is best for you. I think some people can't live without batching and that's yeah, whatever works for you, I think is great. But Mm -hmm. when I'm planning as far as strategy, I do like to, like I keep mentioning, at least keep my target audience in mind and their pain points. And then I always at least ask myself what impact 
this content is going to have or what impact I want it to have at least. So am I trying to educate them? Am I trying to inspire them to like push past something or make a change? Mm-hmm. Or am I just trying to like be relatable and entertaining? So those are the more strategic things that go into planning for me. But other than that, I tend to ebb and flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same here. Mm-hmm. So I know you just mentioned that you sometimes work with brands. So can you share some tips for working with brands and any mistakes or things that people should watch out for when working with brands? Yes. Um, So (laughs) I love talking about this because I also think there's a lot of information about there about like pitching to brands and how to make the perfect pitch and all of that. But I don't think there's enough information about like just attracting brands rather than having Mm -hmm. to chase them. (laughs) And it is because people really are looking I mean, brands are looking more for impactful content than follower count right now. Mm -hmm. So people aren't really spending enough time doing their research on the brands that they want to create for and tailoring their content to that brand a little bit or those brands a little bit in order to kind of attract them. And it's not that you it's not to say you're not tailoring your content for your audience as well. Because you should only be looking to work with brands that are already aligned with your content and the the types of things your audience would like to see anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest mistake is people are like, okay, I got got to a certain follower account. That means I can go pitch now. Whereas (laughs) in reverse, they should be thinking, okay, what is it that's not making brands come to me yet? Is it the quality of my content? Is it that my content isn't focused enough? Do our targeted audiences line up? So all of that type of research, I think, is the most important in landing brand collaborations. For me, my favorite thing to do is research the brand's mission statement and make sure it is aligned with my own mission statement and just use Mm -hmm. that. You can create organic content before you ever even work with them and maybe tag them. And that kind of gets their attention as long as the messaging of that piece of content is in line with their messaging. So Mm -hmm. things like that, just going the extra mile, I think is so important. You know, I could talk about pitching, but I just think there's so much resources (laughs) out there for it. And Mm -hmm. everybody's so different. But in general, you do just want, you want to make sure that it's not focused on the numbers. It's focused on what you're going to do for the company, how you're going to support their marketing needs. Um, Because, you know, you say, I know my audience and I know the impact my content has. I know this is something Mm -hmm. they need. And I know that your ideal customer is very much like my audience. All of that is magic to their ears. (laughs) Whereas Mm -hmm. your follower account, they're like, okay, (laughs) like, that's that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All of that's a lot more important. Yeah. I love that you say that, that it's not about how many followers you have, but also that you look at the company's mission statement. I think that's huge because too many people are out here promoting any and everything just because they want the deal. Yeah. And they're not thinking about, you know, is this a company that I actually want to be associated with? Exactly. You know, I completely agree. And it's another reason that they're getting ghosted by these brands too, is because the Mm -hmm. brand doesn't see the connection. They're like, why are you reaching out to me? Because there's just no correlation. So whether they land them or not, it's usually just not a good idea to lead with that foot forward, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So I know you talk a little bit about user-generated content. So can you explain what UGC is and how people can find those opportunities? Yes, I love user-generated content because I feel like it's a way to level up 
your income as a creator and it's a way where you don't even need a huge following. So if mm-hmm. you're a creator with an existing following, I like to kind of use it as like an upsell. That's kind of how I'll find my opportunities as brands I'm already working with. And I'll say, hey, are you guys running ads? Because user-generated content is content that someone who creates for a brand to use for social media ads, to use in email marketing, to use on their websites. And since it's for the brand to use, it doesn't really matter what your follower account is. Yeah. So that's where if I already have my following and I have partnerships, that's the route I would go is try to upsell those partnerships. If I want to get into UGC and I don't already have an existing following, you'd be surprised how many opportunities are actually on LinkedIn and HiRect and things like that. Um, But the key is actually to have an amazing portfolio, I think. So you can't just go into it with like zero experience (laughs) or zero content. You really have to either use your TikTok as your portfolio or just you know, create some kind of hyperlinked page where they can click and watch your videos. And you can create, for example, a portfolio for product review type videos, you can create a portfolio for service based brands and products. So you kind of want to separate them out that way. And just as you would tailor a resume, you tailor which portfolio you send to which brand based on what you think they would be looking for. Mm-hmm. Another great resource is Contra.com. And the reason I love Contra is because you can add your portfolio in there. But the main reason is because you can link your portfolio on your TikToks. So if you've ever seen oh, nice. like right above the username, there'll be something there'll be something you can click right there. And it will actually bring you to the portfolio. So if you are oh, wow. posting consistently, then brands might see that and be able to go straight to your portfolio. So that's another great opportunity for UGC. I haven't seen that one, so I'll have to check it out. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So I know we've talked a little bit about how people can make money with their content through brand partnerships, UGC. What are some other ways that content creators can make consistent income without relying on these brand collaborations? Yeah, that's really important. Um, I think it's pretty impossible to scale your business using just brand collaborations, again, unless you're a huge mega creator. And so I think the key is to understand what your audience loves and wants from you on a regular basis, and then create an offer for that. And it really is, it's a really cool thing because all it's doing is allowing you to reach more people with the things that you're already helping them with, with your content. So Mm. all you have to do is kind of leverage the thing that your audience already loves you for, create something out of that that can be useful for them in their day-to-day life. And it can be like an ebook, it can be one-on-one services, it could be a full-on program if you want, whatever you feel like they need most. And create your, like I said, you're creating your own business out of it. I think before, yes, influencing was still a business, but it didn't get that recognition. And now I think as creators are starting to expand into this more entrepreneurial type route, I think we're Mm -hmm. starting to kind of get that recognition of it as a business. So it's kind of about treating it that way, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm all about creating digital products. It's my whole thing. And it's also just so easy to create thanks to all these templates that are available now. Canva makes it super easy. You can literally create an ebook in a weekend, like spend a couple of hours putting it together. 
listed for sale and there you go. Exactly. And I think passive income is it's huge right now. I think people yeah. are really starting to realize the that life is a little more important than career. Like I, I'm starting to see that mm-hmm. shift with the great resignation and all of that stuff. And so yeah. I think it's kind of that pathway to freedom is creating those passive those passive mm-hmm. products. And it's a win-win because the people who are purchasing them are truly benefiting from them and getting something exactly. out of it. Yeah. And then you're getting to live your passion. So it's mm-hmm. it's awesome. That's why I love this space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like people don't realize, you know, some people don't know what passive income is. That's and, true. and then you tell them about, you know, digital products, for example, and let them know it's so easy to create. And now they can see themselves doing the same thing, which is pretty cool. So very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So something else I know that you've shared a little bit about on your TikTok is just the importance of content creators considering their own mental health. And this is huge. So how can creators avoid burnout and then protect their mental health going forward? I know this is a really hot topic these days. Yeah, it's super important. And I think not enough resources about it. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing to do to avoid burnout is to not fill your brain with so much of other people's content. At least that's what it is for me. I tend to realize that if I've been scrolling, 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 then every idea that I have for myself just seems to fall short compared to what I've been watching all day. Or maybe what it just makes me heavy watching the for you page. And it just makes me not Mm. in the mood to like post that day. So that's whenever I decide, okay, I'm going to like take a step back and stop consuming content that isn't mine, basically, Mm -hmm. and try to create a little bit more than I'm consuming. And for it becomes really easy if when you say, okay, I'm going to stop consuming content all day today. And all I have to do to create more than that is to create one talk, TikTok, basically. And then I would have created more content than I consumed if I don't watch anything today. Oh, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. usually what gets me out of it because mm-hmm. I'm not competing in my own head with other content ideas. And I have room in my brain to come up with actual creativity that I feel like was lacking before because all I could think of was other people's ideas. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the main way that I will avoid burnout. And it's not mm-hmm. to say you have to force yourself to create content through the burnout. You don't have to content isn't what you have to create as long as you're creating. <laughs> so like for yeah. me, I will just try to do something either with my hands or maybe I'll journal or maybe for some people it's just like going on a walk and creating that kind of inspiration in them but just mm-hmm. doing something other than consuming that content. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I try to get better about that, you know, take take a break from the for you page mm-hmm. and scrolling my Instagram feed and yeah, try to limit that intake when yeah. I'm feeling a little exhausted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And for me it's it's always like such a surprise how little I'll like miss it of course I always go back to it True, but yeah like I <laughs> once you stop and you start kind of like getting out and away from your phone you're like oh that's such a relief a little bit and you really do kind of yeah. at least I do get a brain download of all these new ideas that I could bring to the table because of that mm-hmm. relief feeling True, like yeah step away from it for a little bit and you'll end up being more creative exactly yeah yeah and then of course there's a lot of other mental health things that go into it besides burnout but I really think the other key aspect is leaning on your own community. Like I've, Mm. I kind of struggle with this a little bit too, but I realized that they're not going to 
they're not going to lean on you unless you lean on them kind of thing. And Mm. you realize like you have to, even though we might feel guilty as content creators, like showing the downsides of this career because it seems so luxurious, you really have to share that with them in order to make it like a true community. And they're going to, they're going to give you like the, the energy back in order to get you back on your feet. I've found Mm -hmm. like, if you really express that vulnerability, they're going to be like, Hey, don't worry, like take a break. You know, they're going to give you those words that you needed to hear when you like, you weren't giving them to yourself basically. Mm -hmm. At least that's the community you'd hope to have built. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I know. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I know there are days when if I'll just stop posting on Instagram stories, Mm-hmm. I'll have people reach out like, hey, are you okay? What's going on? Exactly. And sometimes that can be tough because you do feel guilty. You're like, oh, I need to be showing up. I need to post. But then you just let them know, like, we're all humans also. So, like, we need to take a break. And being on social, if that's your job, that is where you're showing up every single day, all day. I think it's fine to step away for a little bit. Of course. And I'm yeah. glad that people are, yeah, super understanding of that. Yeah. And I, I do think that's the main thing that creators struggle with like they just feel like they're going to fall behind if they don't post that day they're going to be irrelevant and so that's a huge amount of pressure but Mm -hmm. I'm glad yeah I'm definitely glad there's more conversation about it and hopefully in the coming years we'll see like less and less negative impact on creators Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and worst comes to worst I've started just reposting especially on TikTok it's easy to just repost your TikToks from like a while ago oh my gosh Absolutely. So, if you're ever so like, easy. I just cannot get a post up today, then definitely repurpose to your heart's mm-hmm. desire because yeah, it TikTok's one of those places where your content is going mostly to the For You page versus your audience. So a new mm-hmm. audience is going to see that content regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Makes so much sense. So what is one of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now as a content creator and how are you tackling it? So... Speaking of mindset, it probably is a little <laughs> bit of a mindset thing. I've I've really been feeling called to go bigger and like make a bigger impact, reach more people with my products and with my services. Mm-hmm. Like I love working one-on-one with people and I just feel like I just can't work with enough of them in order to yeah. make the Sorry. as much of an impact as I want. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to like thinking of something like creating an online course or yep. a, a longer, you know, three month program or something like that. However, I have a lot of mindset, mindset blocks around it. Like I feel like as creators, mm-hmm. we kind of, or even just entrepreneurs, not just creators, we kind of hit this like ceiling of where our, of our confidence, basically, and yeah. we kind of have to re push through that. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm getting to the point where I'm like, you can do this. I'm psyching myself up for it. <laughs> and yeah. then hoping to, you know, create something huge and on, on a larger scale to create more impact. Mm-hmm. But as far as mindset, I've just realized that like, you can't compare yourself to another creator's journey. I think that's what's kind mm-hmm. of keeping me complacent right now is like, okay, well, I'm not as far as some people, but I'm farther than others. And I really just need to focus on my own journey and where I want to be. And that's what I kind Mm -hmm. of am using to push past this. And then I'm also hoping to hold myself accountable by like renting out an Airbnb or something or just like a working space where I can get away and like 
since I'm paying for it, be held accountable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm here to uh, work. Gotta get it done. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just like anything you can do, just know yourself and know what you mm-hmm. need to kind of push yourself past those limits. Yeah. Cause that's what I need apparently. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important to note that at every level that we get to, we're going to have to continue to work on our mindset. It's not like something that you just like, Oh, I reach this level. I'm good now. Exactly. At every level, we're still going to have to have those same limiting beliefs come up or just whatever that we have to work through. Right. And that's, I feel like imposter syndrome is what's talked about the most. (laughs) And I, it's Mm -hmm. funny, I was in this couple month phase where I thought I had beat it. I was like, I'm past imposter (laughs) syndrome. But that was just after posting. And then I had to launch my first product. And I realized Mm -hmm. a whole different set of imposter syndrome comes with that. And so every single step of the way, you're going to realize, oh, okay, (laughs) I have some stuff to work on within myself. But (laughs) I think that's kind of what that's what makes the great entrepreneurs, you know, the ones that just have the perseverance to keep going and figure it out, Mm -hmm. just figure it out, even if it takes time, you know, give yourself the grace to take your time, but still find that solution, you know? Yeah. For sure. I feel like you just have to love personal development because that's what it is. Right? I totally agree. (laughs) People widely underestimate the mindset part of it. Um, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people think there's like this one hack that they'll learn in some course or from some coach (laughs) that will blow them up on TikTok. But really, it's about acquiring as much knowledge as you can. But then yeah, having the mindset and perseverance to keep applying it and adapting Mm -hmm. and changing when you need to and all of those different things. Yeah, makes so much sense. Before we wrap up, yeah. one of the last questions I always ask my audience is one of what is one of the most important lessons that you've learned that you wish you would have learned sooner that you think would be helpful for our audience to know? So is there anything when it comes to it can be anything, money, relationships, content creation, anything that you would like to share? Sure. So for me it was learning to take advantage of my own energy kind of in order to dictate like what I what tasks I needed to get done as a content creator. Because even though it's like, it's the dream to leave your nine to five to become (laughs) one, you also lose that accountability of like getting tasks done. Mm. And so in order to avoid that burnout, I had to learn that when I'm low energy, I need to do stuff that's low energy, like emails, or maybe just things that require like scripting, typing up on my laptop. And then on the other hand, whenever I actually do cycle back into a high energy phase, making it a habit to take advantage of that high energy Mm, phase, because a lot of times I would be like, okay, well, I'm still going to sit here anyway, even though I'm (laughs) feeling inspired, even though I'm feeling active, I would still sit on the couch. So as long as I didn't let that active phase pass. Um, So that's whenever I do my higher level tasks, like uh, that's when I would schedule maybe a meeting or I would get on a phone call or I would actually film my content. Anything that takes a lot of draining energy from me is when Mm -hmm. I would kind of schedule those tasks for. And I think that's what made my business run so much more smoothly. Yeah. Instead of forcing myself to work through the the low energy periods and then being Mm -hmm. exhausted by the time I was feeling like inspired and stuff in the brain. So yeah. I know yeah, not everyone's like that. Of, Go ahead. You know, have you heard of cycle syncing? Um, kind of. I I feel like so, my for you page is starting to show me more about it. <laughs> I think that's where I've seen it. Yeah. And so now this just made me think like, oh, I need to bring somebody on to talk about cycle syncing. Totally. Oh, I would love that. Because that's exactly what that sounds like is going through a flow of highs and lows of your energy. And yeah, 
and what tasks you do during those different periods. So yeah, exactly. Future idea. <laughs> totally. I'm so glad to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, so funny. Well, this has been great. So many helpful nuggets. So thank you again for being here and sharing. So before we wrap up, can you go ahead and share where listeners can find you? Oh, sure. So I'm on TikTok and Instagram and my handle is Gina Galeotto. And you can also find any resources that I have at the link in my bio on both of those platforms. Perfect. And I'll also include those links in show notes as well. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks for tuning in to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, I'd love if you subscribed and left us a review. Another way to support the podcast is to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram story. Tag me at First Hustle Then Brunch so I can repost it. Thank you so much for supporting the show and I'll see you in the next episode. Oh,